Amen. Take your Bibles and turn again to 1 Corinthians chapter 3 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm still getting used to this 6.30 start time. It seems so weird to me. It's four minutes to three minutes to seven, according to that clock back there. And we're already into the preaching of God's Word here. I want to let you remain seated for the preaching of the Word of God and uh, teaching of God's Word, I should say. But let's read responsibly tonight. 1 Corinthians 3. We've looked at verses 1 through uh, Four last week, of course, and we talked about the four truths concerning the carnal man, and there were carnal men and in, in, uh, carnal Christians in the church at Corinth, and our theme that we've been on for the last 12 weeks or last 12 sessions of this lesson has been the church at Corinth and the church at Harvest, and we looked at the carnal man and four character traits of the carnal man. The carnal man can be a saved man. He's definitely fleshly. He, that's the word carnal means fleshly, of course. And uh, he's, he's like a baby, he's childlike, he doesn't, he, uh, he doesn't listen oftentimes, or she doesn't listen, uh, he doesn't, uh, uh, he like, they like sweets, uh, as babies they're selfish, they're jealous, they're, they disagree and fuss, they have a tendency to run away, they, they, uh, they need to be taught when they should be teachers, and they are still on milk when they should be on the meat, or the word of God. But uh, tonight here, let's look at verses 5 through 9 as we press forward. We're on the subject of the local church and the local church on Christian maturity uh, last, last week. And let's look at verses 5 through 9. Again, you can remain seated. Read with me, please, verses 6 and 8. I'll read verses 5, 7, and 9. Who then is Paul? And who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God, even as God's husbandry, ye are God's building. We're going to look at the subject of the local church and church growth tonight. And just in a way of breaking down this chapter, in a way of introduction as well, we looked at verses 1 through 4 last week, of course, and we said that the local church is like a family. So we're like a family. There's the institution of the family, and then there's your family, and there's my family. There's uh, local, uh, local families, of course, and every church is a local church. And uh, its goal, the, lo- the, the goal of the local church in the, uh, as, as a family is that of Christian maturity. And so the fill in blank word is maturity. He wants to mature us until we all come in unity of the faith. We see the threefold division, verse number nine. In fact, well, let me give you the two points here and then we'll, we'll uh, look at verse number nine. Uh, the local church is not only like a family, but the local church is like a field. And its goal is quantity. And that's our subject tonight here. We'll talk about it in a few moments here. But let's look at verses uh, nine through verse 23. And Lord willing, we'll, look, we'll tackle that next week. Local churches is like a temple, or is a, is a temple, and, it, and its goal is quality. And verse number nine says, for we are laborers together with God. We're God's family. Harvest Baptist Church is a church family. You are God's husbandry. We're like a field, and the goal is quantity, and we'll look at that tonight, or reaching souls for Christ, in other words. And ye are God's building, or we are God's temple. We're individually temples, and we're, we're uh, collectively a temple. And uh, this, is a, this, this is, a, is a spiritual and a physical, there, pardon me, this chapter, I should say, in much of the Bible, there is a spiritual and a physical or literal visible aspect of this passage. 
It's known as synonymous dualism. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, but I looked it up in the, well, not in the dictionary, but on Google. <laughs> uh, so synonymous dualism is a term that's used in philosophy to describe the idea that the mind and body are two separate entities and that are fundamentally different from each other, but are also connected in some way. This concept's also known as property dualism. I don't wanna to get too deep here tonight, but I remember studying in, in college uh, dualism as opposed to monism. And monism is uh, basically the fundamental belief that only, there's only one kind of thing or category or kind of anything that you're talking about, whereas dualism as opposed to uh, uh, pluralism, and we could go down this rabbit hole of, of philosophy, and there's no sense in doing that, but. Dualism is basically the understanding that there are two different worlds, two different worlds, sometimes visible and invisible, sometimes uh, uh, tangible and intangible, yet synonymous, inseparable with one another. So two different talks, ideologies, yet uh, synonymous with one another. For example, let me give you an example. There's the mind, and our mind is uh, it's, it's about two pounds of, uh, depending on how smart you are, I'm teasing, but uh, uh, of matter, of, of gray mass up there, of course. And, uh, and there's the mind, and then there's the mind. There's the, the literal part of the mind that, of course, and the, really you can't separate the two. There's the, the material side, and then there's the mystical, or how does the mind work? I mean, scientists are still trying to figure that out, of course. In our passage, is, there's dualism. Paul is speaking directly to the local church at Corinth, this whole book was written to the church at Corinth, but this whole book is written to the church at Harvest. This whole book is written to the church, the body of Christ in general, of course, in, uh, in invisible, if you will, of course. And so uh, the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, and even more specifically, God wants us, he, he wants the church at Corinth to get over this division and schism, and he wants them to grow. In fact, verses 7 Six and seven are our key verses. They have the key word that we're looking at tonight here. Verse six, look what it says. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the what? The increase. Again, in verse number seven, the last word of the verse, but God that giveth the increase. There is neither he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. So God is, the local church is like a family, and God wants us to mature. The local church is like a field, and its goal is quantity, and then we'll look at, Lord willing, next week, the local church is like a temple, and its goal is quality, of course. And so we see this, this dualism going on. God's speaking. He spoke directly through Paul to the church at Corinth. Now he wants to speak directly to the church at Harvest. And you can't separate the two. It's God's word. Of course, the, there's a dualism of God's word. People say, well, man wrote the Bible. Well, God wrote the Bible. But there's no... There's no Division because God instilled in man every word that comes from Scripture is by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God, of course. So it's God's word, but He uses man to write it, of course. And uh, so God's, these men spoke the word of God. They were inspired, of course. And so let's make this super simple because what, what am I trying to say tonight? I'm trying to say whether it be the church at Corinth, whether it be the church universal, or whether it be the church at Harvest, God wants us to grow. He wants us to increase. That's the teaching tonight that I want to give you, give you this evening. And so in order to do that, God needs laborers. And this passage touches on the subject of laboring and uh, harvesting in a f field work, of course, or for what we would say uh, husbandry or, or farming, of course. So I want to give you four, here's the message proper, four needs regarding laborers. 
God wants us, we need laborers for growth and four needs regarding laborers in the local New Testament church that God wants to see increase. Number one, verse number five, as we begin our text here, who then is Paul? There were, there were followers of Pauline, or the Pauline uh, uh, followers, if you will. Who is Apollos, the great eloquent uh, speaker we read about in Acts 17, I believe, or Acts 18, I believe it is, in Acts 19. Uh, but ministers by whom we believed, he believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. Uh, remember, the church at Corinth, they, they were so carnal, they were hero worshipers. They all had their pet, pet uh, superstars, and they were, they were full of pride. Uh, I say this to my, my shame or my, my innocency, I guess, as a teenage kid and a young 20-something-year-old going to the college I went to. I thought we were the best college in, in the world, in America. Nothing wrong with that in one sense, I guess. There's the dualism there. I was prideful, but, and, but uh, at the same time, I didn't want to be prideful. <laughs> and, uh, and, but I thought our school was the best, of course. And uh, uh, I, after I grew up and matured, I realized that, that my, my focus shouldn't be on the college or on the president or anybody famous. And don't, don't make a hero out of any man, of course. It's, and that leads us to uh, what type of laborers that we need in the house of God. We need humble laborers not full of pride and not thinking we're the best and not thinking we're followers of the best guy. Uh, by the way, we need more, we don't need more chiefs, we need more Indians. We don't need more generals, we need more privates. And the war is gonna be won, it's gonna be won by the privates, it's gonna be won by uh, the, the people in the trenches, of course. And in the local church, we need more privates, more servant, humble servants and laborers. Three, the, these types of laborers always, I have uh, four, a, B, C, D, real quickly here. Uh, the house of God, this church had, was, had so much uh, carnalism, or if I could use coin a word, carnality to it, and they, so much pride, they needed to have humble laborers. And, and first of all, those that are laborers are always must remember that they are only sinners saved by grace. Paul said, of course, we quote it oftentimes, don't we? 1 Timothy 1.15, maybe the greatest apostle that ever lived. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save, what, sinners, whom I am chief. Never remember, never forget from whence he came. Never, for, never forget what, from the rock you were, you were hewn out of, of course, Psalm 40. He brought me up out of a horrible pit, out of the mire clay and set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. Uh, I think of my childhood, and I, I just use myself as an example. Uh, I suppose I grew up in a pretty rough environment, so to speak, but not really. I had it, I had it peachy, creamy. I had it easy compared to some of the people I've been talking to in recent days and recent weeks. I had a mother and father in my house so the whole time I, I grew up. Uh, I, had, I had brothers and sisters. I had a stable house. Uh, my dad was, he was an alcoholic, but he went to work every day. And I uh, look in the grand scheme of things, I had a lot going for me, of course. And uh, I look at some people and the, 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 the tragic lives that they, uh, uh, upbringings that they've had, and of course. But the Lord graciously, gloriously saved me and he gloriously saved you. And we're no better than anybody else, of course. And we're just sinners saved by grace, of course. And uh, you never forget that where, where you came from, of course, who you are. Uh, I love that song, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. But then... Um, second need, this church at Corinth needed humble laborers and, and Harvest Baptist Church needs humble laborers. 
there, letter B, uh, their only glory is in the cross. What, what do we glory in? We don't glory in our own, boast in our own pride, of course. Uh, Galatians 6, 14, but God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross or only in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. Over in chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians, just glance at it, it's on my same page, probably on yours too, but verse 31, or verse uh, 29 rather, that no flesh should glory in his presence. As humble servants, our glorying is in Christ, of course, in Christ alone, and it's in, in the cross of Calvary. And then as a, as a the type of worker that Harvest Baptist Church needs and every local church needs, we need to be humble and realize from whence we came, that we're just sinners saved by grace, no better than anybody else, uh, that our only glorying is in the cross. But thirdly, uh, every talent that we have comes from God. And, uh, you know, some people are more talented than other people. I'll, I'll, I'll just have fun for a moment. I'll go into the preacher world. I think, now, I could say this about Lucio Gallo. I could say this about a number of different guys, of course, a number of different preachers. But uh, uh, this is me personally. I think Pastor Greg Adams, when he comes and preaches, don't tell him I said this. I don't want his head to get puffed up, of course. But uh, uh, I think he's a really good preacher, good Bible expositor. I like when he preaches. I enjoy him tremendously. But God gave him the talents that he has. And uh, where it's boasting then, it's excluded, of course. And so uh, every talent uh, that we have comes from God. Uh, I don't know, anybody know Alistair Begg? Anybody know that name by chance, Alistair Begg? Nobody knows that name. Nobody listens to WIHS but me, I guess, once in a while. But, but Alistair Begg, pastor, he's got a Scottish accent. And I just love the way he talks. He's got a mega church outside of Cleveland, Ohio, and he's on the radio all over the world. And I just that Scottish accent is so beautiful that people are, I'm attracted to hear, I, I want to hear him just because I love his accent. <laughs> and uh, he's got good Bible co content to, too, as far as that goes. But uh, uh, who gave him that accent? God gave him that accent. Uh, you know, he said, well, Scotland gave him that accent, but God gave him the accent. And uh, I have Tim pray, pray a lot because I like Tim's New Hampshire accent, of course. And so, and that was free. But anyhow, uh, Every talent we have comes from God. And then, so where is boasting, of course? And uh, uh, we're just sinners saved by grace, and we have no glory, but not in our flesh, but in the cross. And another D, uh, humble servants, every church needs more of them. They are available to do whatever needs to be done. Uh, is there a job that's too beneath you? I heard uh, on the radio Oh, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, of course, that, uh, that companies are having these dot-com companies and these, these, I don't know what type of companies, but they're, they're finding out they're having a hard time hiring young people because they, well, that's not my job description. They don't know how to do this or that. I'm not picking on you young people. No, I'm not doing that. Let's just a superstar worker, but for the record. But, uh, 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 but they, they hire older people. They need, they've learned to hire older people because they learn to have more responsible. They actually show up for work and they actually come and and uh, our discipline and so forth, and, and uh, they'll do whatever needs to be done. When the disciples needed their feet washed, who stepped up to the plate? John chapter 13, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he gave us an example. The servant is not greater than his master, and uh, he would be greatest among you, let him be servant of all. Paul, the apostle Paul, maybe the greatest apostle that ever lived, it could be argued, was a tent maker. Jesus was a carpenter until he was 30 years of age. We need to put a premium on work, and we need to be willing to do whatever needs to be done. 
And uh, I find that a lot of the work of the house of God is uh, just menial work, and I'm getting ahead of myself. But So God, God calls us to have, uh, there's a need, if we're going to have church growth and increase of the body, there's a need for humble laborers. Number two, verse number six, I have planted, Paul said, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. He basically said again, who am I? I'm nothing. I just was used of God and so forth. But Paulus came along and he watered and God's given the increase. What do we need for the cause of Christ to go forward? We need the, the need for a multiplicity of laborers, a number of laborers. We know the passage so well, but in Hebrews, or rather Matthew chapter 9, uh, verse number 36 and 38, when Jesus, when he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion. Jesus was moved with, when he saw the multitudes, of course. And he said, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are what? Few. He said, pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, and he sent forth laborers into his harvest. I just saw today the BIMI magazine. They have about 1,000 missionaries collectively around the world, of course. And uh, that's where Brother Tony and Paula Blava are part of BIMI, for whatever that's worth. It's one of the mission boards out there. Some go from straight local churches. But I saw the, the mission class and uh, I've seen pictures of their annual deputation missions class of their new missionaries coming in, their new enrollees. And usually I see a group of 30 or 40 people, but I saw a group of about 10 or 12. I said, oh boy, that's scary. And uh, two or three of them were just single ladies. And uh, I don't know, uh, people are not going to the mission field like they used to go, it looks like to me. And so we need a multiplicity of laborers. God said, pray therefore the Lord of the... The, the, the need is not a money shortage, the need is a labor shortage. And we need more laborers in the house of God, of course. And uh, I see these signs at businesses and restaurants all over, even in town, help wanted. There's a laborer shortage. And uh, let me just meddle for a minute here. And I know, again, we just have a good night. We have, I can count the men, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, I, I won't count. 12, 14, 15 of you guys, whatever there is. And we, we don't have, we have a Sunday school class. We used to have 15 Sunday school classes at Harvest Baptist Church. We have about five today. We used to have three, three adult classes at any given time. So the kind of deaf class we used to have, we used to have four adult classes. We have one now. Uh, but even worse than that, we, we don't have, a, we have ladies teaching our, our elementary from two years old all the way to sixth grade. We have no man teacher to teach first through third grade boys or fourth through sixth grade boys. And that's a shame. He said, well, we don't have first or third grade boys. We don't have fourth. That's why we don't have them. We need to have a teacher. And uh, I want to encourage you. Maybe somebody, the Lord, speak to somebody's heart. We need to have disciplers. I do not want to, you know, it's not my style. I'm not, I don't, I'm not trying to point, give myself a pat on the back as I sometimes kid around doing. But after the service Sunday morning, uh, I was in the back there and all God's people said amen and and I got talking to Eve, and uh, to, uh, I can't get his name out, anyhow, the gentleman, and, uh, and she wanted to be saved. And I was looking around for Pastor Caleb, and he was somewhere else, of course. And, I, and uh, this, is on, this is to my shame, of course. Uh, I ended up going back and leading her to the Lord. Not that that was a great privilege. I'm glad to be able to do it. But that was 20 minutes, half hour. By the time I got done with that, everybody else was, pretty much everybody else was gone. 
we need to have disciples and laborers to be able to lead people to the Lord, of course. Not that we don't. I need to just have it designated, and we need to get organized in our Sunday school and in our church again. And by the way, we're doing that. We're getting there. We're, we're, and it's showing by the, the, the growth that we're having, but growth brings problems, and growth brings more need for an organization and more laborers, is what I'm trying to say. And so we need a multiplicity of laborers. We need Pauls, we need Apollos, and we need others as well. And then... Uh, uh, that's letter A, the harvest is plenteous, but the workers are few or laborers are few. Letter B, the best ability, you say, well, I'm not very talented. The best ability is what? Dependability or availability. I've wrote down dependability. First Corinthians 4.2, next chapter over. Moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. We don't need more flamboyancy, we need more faithfulness. We don't need more talent, we need more tenacity. We don't need more showmen, but more servants. Every once in a while, and I, again, I'm careful here when I say this, it's a great privilege to be a pastor, to be a preacher of the gospel. But I've met men over the years that, uh, oh, I wish I was the pastor. And I want to say to them, I wish you were pastor. I wish you were too the pastor as well. And uh, uh, I'll trade places with you. I'll be glad to do that from time to time. But uh, watch out for someone that wants to, to uh, lead but doesn't want to work and it's dangerous but God wants us to be faithful above uh, anything else of course not famous but faithful not uh, nothing wrong with talent but uh, tenacity keep at it that leads me to then not showmen but servants and whosoever be greatest among you is going to be servant of all then number three Roman number three let me give you the third trait that we need in regards to laborers for uh, increase of his field. Uh, not only do we need to have more humble servant, more humble laborers, or a multiplicity of laborers, there's work for everyone to do when we get to 1 Corinthians 12 and 13 and 14 and see the different gifts, uh, signs, spectacular gifts and permanent gifts uh, that the Lord gave to the church, of course. And, and uh, I sang Sunday morning a little solo during the service and Sonny cringed to death and said, I asked her the service, do I do that again? She just, she just put her head down. I, she didn't even answer the question, but I knew the answer when she, she did that. So I was like, was it that bad? She says, you can't sing. You're not on tune. And I just said, I know I'm not on tune, but it's okay. But uh, anyhow, why did I get off on that? I, uh, I don't know. I guess I'm so proud of my singing there. I'll pass myself on the back. Uh, number, letter, uh, number three, there's a need for hard-working laborers. We talked about worker, workers to begin with, but hard-working laborers. Note that God oftentimes uses man to accomplish his work. We're saved by grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. We quote it all the time. But we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And God can do anything, of course. And God, can, God builds his church, but he uses men to do it and women to do it. Uh, God could have built the boat, but he told, told Noah, he gave Noah the commission and gave him 100 years to do it. God could have, uh, called, could have uh, led the children out of Egypt, but he used Moses 40 years in, in uh, uh, training, of course, in the backside of the desert, and 40 years to go through the, the wilderness itself. God, God could have wrote the Bible without the Apostle Paul, but half the New Testament was written by Paul, and we get the doctrines of grace from the Apostle Paul. God oftentimes uses this Theanthropic union is God-man union to accomplish his will for us and it regards hard work. Uh, letter A, so much of God's work involves, are you ready for this fill-in-the-blank word? 
So much of God's work involves, anybody know it? Working! It's a dirty four-letter word or a dirty seven-letter word. In Proverbs 24, 30, 34, numbers of verses we could talk to, but he went, the, the, the proverb, uh, the preacher went by the field of the slothful and uh, thought, thought all grown over with thorns, I'm paraphrasing, of course, and uh, let a, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep so shall their poverty come as one of the than they want or they lack as an armed man, in other words. And the secret to successful ministry is oftentimes good old-fashioned work hard work. And again, I say this in, in, in the right context, I hope you understand this, but I think God's blessed our church in so many ways over the years because we've had a lot of hard workers, a lot of people just laborers, just didn't matter what needed to be done, they just did it, of course, and uh, uh, ministries that should be still thriving and going, they lacked workers, hard workers. And uh, so the secret of ministry is success. Someone has said that 95% of nearly every job involves the menial. In other words, somebody said showing up, showing up to work is half the, half the, the, uh, the effort, of course. So that's half the job right there. Showing up on time, being on time, be dressed, study, apply yourself, do the little things, do the little things well, help others to succeed. Go the extra mile. Do your best. Edison said it this way, the great inventor. He said, genius is what? 1%, what was it? Inspiration, 99% perspiration. And there's n- nothing can sometimes uh, compensate for just good old-fashioned hard work and labor and staying at it until the task is done. God's called us to do that. And so there's a need for hardworking laborers. There's a need for uh, a multiplicity, a number of laborers, many hands make the task light. Uh, uh, teamwork makes the dream work, of course. Then there's need for humble workers. Lastly, tonight here, verses 7 through 9, and it says, verse 7, so, ne- so then, he's summarizing, neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and everyone shall receive his own reward. There's an individual rewards, of course, and uh, according to his own labor. For we are laborers together with God. We're all in this together, of course. And let me give you the point number four here, of course. And uh, uh, oh, I didn't give you letter B. I got to give you letter B before I give you Roman number three. I forgot to give you that. Here, back up here. Uh, now is the time to work. When, when we work, now is the time to work. Of course, John 9, 4 tells us that, that uh, I must work, Jesus said, in the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Jesus said in John chapter 4, in verses 34 and 35, he said, Say not there yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, look through your eyes, and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Uh, I've used that phrase too many times already tonight, but here's one more time. Let me be careful when I say this tonight. I'm all for vacationing. I'm all for relaxation. I'm all for uh, times of entertainment. I'm all for hobbies, activities, on and on we could go. I'm all for all that good stuff. And I, I call it good stuff. But the good is the enemy of the bad. Let me give you an illustration of what I'm, try- what I'm trying to say. We only got one life to live to serve the Lord. We only got one time to do this work. And now's the time. And I would never tell anybody who I'm thinking of, and most of you don't want to know who I was thinking of anyhow, but I'm thinking of a certain Christian couple that's in a faraway state right now. 
they're a sweet couple. I'll just say it that way. I wouldn't name their names, but I, I love them and they love me and they're good people. And, uh, but they've served the Lord for many years, of course, but now they're in their golden years of retirement and, and, uh, and nothing wrong with that, of course. And they don't do anything bad. They, 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 they're good Christians and so forth, but they could be serving the Lord. They've still got good sound minds. They've got good bodies. They've got, they're able to travel, but they, they uh, just are, I think they're, uh, maybe I'm judging them, and I don't want to be guilty of that, but they could be working for the Lord. Now, boy, we could really use them in the Lord's work, or a church could use them in the Lord's work, and, uh, but they're not being used. And so now, now number, number, Roman numeral number four, there's a need for unified laborers. For laborers together, we're to, we're, we're to plant or water, verse number eight, we're, we're one in this together. Two things about unified laborers. We are called not to discord in Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19, God says there's six things that the Lord doth hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And the seventh on the list is something that God hates. He that soweth discord among brethren. God hates discord. And he's writing, Paul's writing these first four chapters of Corinth to try to, try to temper and try to lay and try to expose this discord. And, uh, but to be, we're called to be in one accord. In Philippians 2, verse 2, Fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. And I had a bunch of verses for time's sake. We're not going to go into them. One spirit, one body, one love for the brethren. Uh, we, we love like Christ loved the church. And, and uh, we're, we're called to not so discord, but so, so be in one accord. God's called us to be unified together. And uh, put away our petty differences. Put away our, 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 uh, our quit accentuating the, the, the differences and look at all the, look at all the unities, of course. Then let her be. Uh, not, we're not called not to strife, but to be striving together. In Philippians 1.27, only that your conversation or your lifestyle or your citizenship be it as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else I be absent, I may hear of your affairs that you stand fast in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Somebody told me, and I end with this and we'll have a word of prayer. Someone told me, uh, I was with a certain somebody, they're not here tonight, so I'll use them, that uh, they, they found out something they disagree with me on or our church on. It was a really fine, fine point. And uh, for the record, I said, I just laughed because I said, <laughs> You, that's all right, you can disagree. I, I disagree with myself half the time. I say, use that line a lot, of course, and uh, that's fine. You know, we can't always agree on every little thing. We find 997 things that we agree on, and we find three things we disagree on, and we accentuate those three things. God said to Paul, and now he says to his, through the Holy Spirit to us, I want the body to increase, and I want it to do it through uh, hard workers and unified workers and a multiplicity of workers and humble workers. And all God's people said... Amen. Let's bow for prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, help us to work for the night is coming when no man can work. Uh, Lord, help us to uh, put away our idiosyncrasies and our little uh, quirks that we have, dear God, and we all have them. I have mine, of course. And Lord, may we just serve you together in a wonderful way, we pray, Lord. And thank you for the humble workers that you've given us. Lord, thank you for the diversity and talented workers that you've given us. And I pray you bless us as we close out our service tonight, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.